Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to the bigger picture. Well, it's going to be a look at markets in the past month of February. All the markets winners and losers, as well as what we should be looking out for in the month to come. So lots to unpack. Let's check in with David Kuo. He is the co-founder of The Smart Investor. Morning, David. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing great, David. Always fantastic to have you on the show. And every time during this time of the month, we talk about the highlights of the past. I'm just wondering, David, what stood up for you in the past month? Uh, All sorts of things. I think probably the main thing is um, Chelsea's form at the moment. (laughs) Your listeners will know that uh, I'm a a big fan of Chelsea Football Club in the UK. And uh, at the moment, we're not doing particularly well. I can probably say the same about the stock market. That's not doing very well either. But if you have invested in good companies, just as I have invested my time in a good football club, I would expect the form to be temporary, but, uh, <laughs> but ultimately uh, it will shine over the long term. Well, and, uh, yeah. that's a long stretch, David, when it comes to Chelsea. Uh, well, I don't think it is a long stretch. I mean, we're, we're not doing particularly well at the moment, but class is permanent. And uh, the, the form is temporary, just as, you know, uh, many people who have invested in companies that are not doing very well. Well, the form is relatively short term, but class is permanent. And if you've invested in a wonderful company, it should do well over the long term. I suppose so. If you're a long-term investor in Chelsea, sometime around, it will turn the corner. Oh, let's it, talk will, about- it, will t- it will turn the corner at some point in time, right? You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about what's coming up this year. Of course, everyone's been focused on how interest rates are moving moving these days. We've seen so much data coming through and of course the FMC is going to be meeting later this month. Mm-hmm. How high or how much higher can interest rates go, David? Well, uh, this is the $64,000 question and this is the same question that everybody is asking themselves. It wasn't that long ago when everybody said, oh, you know, peak interest rates will be around sort of 5%. And now they're actually pushing that higher. They're saying that maybe it will go considerably higher than 5%. But if you have a look at the facts, What you have in the U.S. is inflation running at about 6.5%, and you also have the the Fed fund rate, which is only at 4.75%. Now, as a scholar of economics, I have always been told that if you want to control inflation, then you have to make sure that interest rates are above the rate of inflation if you are going to stand any chance of clamping down on inflation. So if you look at just just those two numbers alone, inflation rate at 6.4, the Fed's on rate at 4.75, it probably means that uh, interest rates have to go well above 6% in order to clamp down on inflation. And I think that scares a lot of people. And sometimes, you know, when people get scared, they hide behind the, shot, the, the sofa. They don't really want to sort of contemplate, you know, the fact that interest rates are going to be higher. And as a result of that, they're almost in denial, Ryan. I mean, they, they refuse to accept the fact that interest rates could go very, very high if you're going to uh, control inflation. What they're looking at at the moment, and I'm talking about the market, they're saying, oh, you know, inflation is coming down. So maybe the Fed doesn't have to be as severe with the interest rates. But as we saw with what happened in France and Spain, they thought inflation was coming down. Mm. And then lo and behold, inflation suddenly poked its ugly head above the parapet again. And then we suddenly saw, you know, French inflation running at 7.2% and Spanish inflation running at 6.1%. And meanwhile, when you have a look at the European Central Bank, they've got interest rates at 3%. 
So how are you going to ever control inflation if your interest rates are so far below the inflation rate? And I think that this is, this is one of the key questions. If you are concerned about uh, interest rates, then for goodness sake, if you have got any loans, then just try and pay them down. Pay, pay down as much of your loans as possible, particularly if they're on variable interest rates, because that is really going to hurt you over time, Ryan. Yeah, that's a very tough question for um, businesses to swallow as well because they have to navigate rising interest rates. Plus, if they've borrowed in recent years, they have to figure out if it's going to be worth refinancing and so on. So it's going to put a lot of pressure on businesses. And if you look at what's playing out, where should investors be looking at investing these days? Because if you look at high interest rates, it does make sense to look at banks, but it also could mean a lot of things. For example, the economy slowing down. Well, I mean, but the bank really care about the economy slowing down. Uh, if you are a bank customer at the moment, whether you are a business or whether you are an individual, is the bank really going to care that much about uh, your personal circumstances? If you have borrowed money on a variable rate, the bank is just simply going to say to you, your interest rates have gone up. Mm. Do they care about your personal circumstances? They don't, do they? So the banks merely follow whatever the interest rates have been set by the central bank. And so if interest rates at the central banks have gone up, then, of course, you know, each individual lender will be putting up their interest rates regardless. And so then that interest margin is going to widen. And if you listen to the commentary from the various central banks, what they're saying is that, yes, you know, there is going to be a tailwind as far as their net interest margins are concerned. And the net interest margin is the difference between the rate at which they offer to borrowers and also the rate at which they offer to uh, depositors. And that interest margin is going to actually it's not widened. It's going to actually sort of remain relatively high. So on that basis alone, you would say that net interest income that the banks are going to be earning is going to actually continue to increase. And so I'm not entirely surprised. And if you have a look at the confidence that was um, shown by DBS, mm. I mean, they, they paid a much higher dividend this time than uh, previous, which seems to indicate to me that uh, Pius Gupta and, you know, the people at DBS Bank are confident, you know, that the future is going to be relatively good as far as their performance is concerned. The only time any company cuts their, their dividends is if they're not entirely sure about the future. But in this particular case, they're saying things are actually going to be pretty strong. So therefore, we're willing to actually sort of pay a higher uh, rate of dividend to our shareholders. Yeah, that's a good point. We did see that bonus dividend or special dividend being announced by DBS. Uh, were you surprised by the lack of it from UOB and OCBC? Well, I mean, they're completely different animals. And uh, maybe, you know, in the other two cases, what they're hoping to do is to try and sort of beef up their deposits. They're very concerned about this. Uh, not, not concerned. I mean, what they want to do is to offer... Uh, their depositors a better rate of interest. So maybe in those two cases, uh, their net interest margins may not be mm. as high as, uh, as DBS. And then we also saw something relatively similar over in Malaysia. Uh, we had uh, two of the big banks over there, Public Bank and also Malayan Banking Corporation, Maybank. I mean, their results were also relatively good, and uh, they also uh, had declared reasonable sort of uh, dividends. But let's not forget, you know, that the banks have a social responsibility as well, Ryan. The banks have to sort of offer their depositors a reasonable rate of interest in order to attract those kind of funds. And so, therefore, 
Maybe in the case of DBS Bank, DBS rather, they have enough depositors, they have enough funds, so therefore they don't need to sort of offer as attractive an interest rate for its savers. But meanwhile, they do have an awful lot of borrowers, and so uh, they can charge a much higher uh, rate of interest. But in general, I would say if you have a look across the board at all the banks, I think they're going to have uh, a pretty good quarter, if not a pretty good uh, 2023, Ryan. Right, David, let's take a quick look at the movers and shakers last month. The winners on the STI in February, you've got Capital Corporation up 11.4%, Genting Singapore up 3%, Jardin Saka and Carriage higher by 2.3%. So those are the top three. Looking at Capital, of course, you've got the San Marine story uh, mixed in. Going forward, are you optimistic on capital as a stock option? I am, you know, and uh, it wasn't that long ago when you and I were talking on air about, you know, the new strategy that Keppel was uh, embarking on. What they wanted to get away from was uh, uh, that kind of lumpy bottom line figure that they were producing, depending upon whether or not they had orders or didn't have orders. Uh, but what they seem to have done now is to go for an asset-like model, and they're also relying on what we call uh, recurring revenue. So uh, this recurring revenue strategy does seem to be working, and I think, as far as investors are concerned, what, what they are, are showing is uh, some confidence in this new strategy. Uh, Capital Land is doing exactly the same thing. They're going away from this sort of lumpy strategy into something that is actually more, uh, more recurring, and that is a kind of strategy that I've always employed in the portfolios that I manage. What I try to do is to get recurring income. So I invest in companies that are able to produce cash uh, and that cash is then uh, paid as dividends uh, to investors like myself. So my portfolio spits out cash every month, every day of the year. It's actually sort of producing an awful lot of cash that I can use for reinvesting. So I think this is the, uh, something that is very similar that is happening in terms of um, the recurring revenue at Capital Corp. All right, Capital on stronger footing. And I'll just give a wrap-up of the losers in February. We've got Capital and Integrated Commercial Trust down to 9.3%, Tybev down 8.6%, and CDL down 7.1%. David, we'll have to keep it there for now. We've been chatting with David Kuo. He is the co-founder of The Smart Investor. David, thanks again, and we'll catch up again with you soon. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.